I'm David Leary. I'm the uh, co-host of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm joining Amanda on this kickoff of the Accounting Salon Conversation Podcast to get out of the way, actually. So kind of this will be the first episode. We'll chat with Amanda, and then I'll get out of the way, and then Amanda can carry on many episodes for the rest of eternity talking to people that are in the Accounting Salon. Sounds good. So... This episode of Accounting Salon Conversations is sponsored by our launch partner, Rippling. Rippling is more than payroll, and now that most employees are working remotely, your clients need more than just payroll. They need payroll, HR, and IT all working together in an all-in-one modern, flexible system. By using Rippling, when you add a new employee to payroll, you're simultaneously enrolling them in benefits, instantly setting up their email, and even sending them a computer preloaded with all the software and apps they need to do their job. Imagine how impressed your clients will be when this takes only 90 seconds. Right now, I'm sure most of you are doing just payroll, but with Rippling, you'll be able to expand the advisory work you're offering your clients. Rippling offers accountants free payroll and HR for their firms, a client dashboard, dedicated accountant support, and white glove migrations from other just payroll systems. To learn how you can evolve your client advisory services beyond bookkeeping and just payroll, head over to accountingsalonconversations.promo slash rippling. That's accountingsalonconversations.promo forward slash R-I-P-P-L-I-N-G. Rippling, everything your clients need. listeners that may have just discovered this because not everybody knows about the accounting salon first, I think maybe you and I should uh, talk about how we met each other and how the accounting salon came to be. Sure. So for folks who may know uh, my background, I came into the practice world as a zero advisor. So I've always used zero in my practice. Uh, at the time that you and I met, you were with Intuit. So you know, we really never crossed paths, I guess, which is kind of crazy, but we just didn't. We had our own little, I had my blue world and you had your green world. We knew of each other though. I always knew about you online. I, I knew who you were. Yeah. And same, same. But we never crossed paths. Yeah. So we just never ended up in the same place at the same time. So we happened to both be in New Orleans for the Clio conference. And I think this is 2017. Um, and so I don't remember who it was that connected us but somebody said, you guys need to have a drink together. And uh, so we did. <laughs> and some of those, we were, we were just chatting and we were talking at right around that time. That's when the whole conferencing changed or shifted, right? You had right around then QuickBooks, Zero, uh, Sage. They were doing these ridiculous conferences like QuickBooks had Oprah and Sage had the killers and Zero, I think, had like the Dalai Lama's number two man, right? Like it yeah. was these conferences. So you either had the big software vendors themselves, right? The the cloud accounting apps had huge conferences, and then you had the other end of the spectrum. It was right uh, Doug Sleater who had SleaterCon, though the conference only events. Um, he sold that to Accountex, and then Intuit didn't attend that event. And so there was not um, t- two problems kind of arose. Like one of them, which was really my thing, is I felt like there wasn't a um, agnostic event. Right. Platform agnostic. So people like you and I could never meet. And then you had other issues with the quality of content at conferences. Yeah. So I think the idea for Accounting Salon 
came to me at one of those conferences that shall remain nameless. Um, one of the ones that was supposed to be platform agnostic and tech forward. Um, and I realized that the content was so sponsor driven that I really wasn't getting value off of what was coming from the stage where the value uh, was for me was meeting up with other cloud and tech forward accountants in the bar at afterwards or in the back of the room or running into them in the expo hall. Like those were the conversations that were really meaningful. And so I had this crazy idea and I, you know, you know, I've talked about this. I didn't think, Hey, I'm going to start, you know, this think tank high end exclusive and very, um, content wrench conference. What I thought is maybe I can just invite some of my friends to New Orleans that are really smart and know really awesome accounting things. And we can have a party and kind of talk about this together and, and sort of um, debrief and do a brain dump. So that's that was where that came out of. And it just so happened that, you know, when you and I were having that conversation in New Orleans in the fall of 2017, I said, I have this crazy idea. What do you think? And you're like, I'm in. This is fantastic. I've been thinking about this too for a long time. And it's kind of baloney that we don't have a great place for the, you know, the rock stars and every platform to come together. So that was how Accounting Salon was born. And there's a lot of trust involved because you were, hey, I'm going to invite my friends to New Orleans. And then you barely knew me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to bring you some people from the QuickBooks world. This is going to be great. And we're going to put them all in the same room together. Yeah. I mean, literally, I didn't, I knew who you were, but I, you, that was the very first conversation that you and I had had in person. And I, but I knew that you knew the QuickBooks folks and I knew the zero people, right? So if you knew the smartest people on one side and I know the smartest people on the other side, that makes for a pretty good conference. Yeah. And so we kind of jumped in and kicked off a conference. Yeah. I, I mean, I hesitate to even call it a conference the first year. There were um, 18 people that we picked, you know, friends of yours, friends of mine. And we said, will you come to New Orleans for a few days and sit around a, a, a boardroom table? We all fit. There were 18 of us. We all fit in one uh, room. And we did that for two days. I mean, the like, the welcome party was in my at my in my backyard. <laughs> so it was Yeah, so that's what people have to understand. This was very grassroots. When people say like people have asked, like, why do you host us in New Orleans? I was like, because we were in Amanda's backyard literally for the start of it. Yeah, it, it well, yeah, it was crazy. It was just like let's everybody show up. And that was honestly, that was one of the probably the the most heartfelt moments of my life is to have all these amazing people in my in my backyard. I'm like, this is crazy. We've got, you know, Brittany Brown and Patty Starf, who are both e-commerce rock stars, one QBO and one zero, sitting on the couch talking about their, you know, their practices together. Um, it was just, it was just this weird, almost dreamlike thing where I was like, "This isn't, is this really happening?" It was crazy. Um, so yeah, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't really a conference from the get-go. It was sort of a party of friends, new friends. Yeah, and so we, we got in, we kind of. It became something more than we expected, right? Um, these people became friends. Some of them became business partners, right? And uh, one, we just really fostered uh, this sense of community. And so then I feel like we got aggressive and we're like, hey, let's double the size next year. Yeah, so it was this really interesting, just cool thing where, um, you know, the first year we asked, you and I just sat down, looked at the list of folks we had invited and said, who, who do we want to hear talk about things? And so we picked, I don't know, maybe six or eight 
um, folks to give presentations in the front of the boardroom. And that was awesome. And so it, it, it created all these neat relationships and conversations amongst folks who didn't know each other. And then that kept on going for the next six months until we had the accounting salon for 2018. So we decided, um, this is awesome. We want to do it again. Let's double. Uh, so we went through a nomination process and added another 18 folks. So 2019, we had a total of 36 cloud accounting rock stars that came to New Orleans again. And it changed a bit because I think the first one in a way was a little invite your friends, I'll invite my friends, even though it wasn't really friends, but that's kind of what it was. And the second one, we had a little bit more rigor, right? We we had a nomination committee. We vetted out people. It was, it was a little bit more formalized. Yeah. You know, one thing that we've, even from the beginning, have um, tried to do is pick folks from a diverse, diverse, from diverse backgrounds or diverse work experiences. Um, so the second year, we were a little bit more deliberate. You know, how many QBO people do we have? Zero people, Sage people. How many big firms, small firms, uh, you know, non-firms? We had the first two cohorts had people who didn't even have practices. Um, So we were very deliberate in, or I'm sorry, more deliberate at least in the second year with who we selected or asked to join us to make sure that we had lots of different perspectives on cloud accounting. And it's interesting if I compare, looking back at the first event to the second event, um, I feel like the second event, because it was just bigger, and it was just logistically tougher. It was a lot harder to enjoy as far as me as a host. And I think that was the same on your side as well. Yeah, well, there was there was there were expectations. <laughs> I guess the first year there were no expectations, right? I mean, we had um, people were drinking beer out of my fridge, and uh, we were you know writing on post-it notes on the wall. Like it was just very, like you said, grassroots and and just an experiment, honestly. And then the second year, we had legitimate event space. We had an actual welcome party at a restaurant, not at my house. Uh, we had sponsors the second year. So that was interesting having folks show up that were, um, that were sponsors. We got a bus. We had, we went to the bus <laughs> with a driver. We had a ghost tour. I mean, it was, it was cool, but you know, it wasn't the same thing where, uh, you know, where the first year you and I could just kind of relax on the couch and be like, this is neat. It was, it was much more of a job the second year, but it was still enjoyable. It was still fun. It was awesome to see, you know, 36 folks and connect. Like, that's what I love about this, David is, is connecting people that, you know, probably ordinarily wouldn't have, have crossed paths. I think that was my most enjoyable time at the second one. It was just stepping back and just watching like people interacting. Because it's just, they would not have met or interacted if it wasn't for Salon. It wasn't for us interacting and meeting, right? Like these people would have never met. Yeah, it's so it was so neat to see people genuinely, and, and even since then, so we are a year from from uh, tw- the 2019 Salon, you know, we have a community now. And I think when you and I did this, we thought it was going to be an annual event. Uh, but it's really turned into a community that supports each other in amazing ways, ways that I didn't certainly um, predict. You know, they're connected. They they go in and see each other when they're in each other's hometowns. Um, you know, they make plans to see each other. It's a really, it's a really neat community now. It's not just the, it's not just the spring event. It's turned into something much, much bigger. Yeah. And it's across the line from conference to obviously there's a, we have a Slack channel and people communicate on there. People do webinars together outside of the accounting salon, if you call it branding. Um, but you're right. When, and then in physical, when there's a chance for people to be in the same town, 
they connect, right? And let us all know. Yeah, yeah. So I was looking through some pictures actually to get ready for what we're going to do next week instead of our on-site. And it's it's just really neat to see folks, you know, showing up in different places together. So it's very cool. So obviously it takes like a year to plan an event, right? So you and I were working very hard to have a live on-site event in May. We added uh, new members to the accounting salon. We were we had a venue. We had food. I mean, pretty much I think we had all ducks in order for the event. It was all done. It was going to be so great. <laughs> it was all done. We had the whole thing. Yep. And then COVID got here, obviously. And I, I feel like you and I probably talked on the phone every day for six weeks. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. Should we pull the plug? Should we pull the plug? Should we pull the plug? And it was an agonizing decision. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, so being in New Orleans at some point, I think you said, well, we don't need to pull the plug until Jazz Fest cancels. We're not pulling the plug. Jazz Fest will never cancel. And then they did. So we pulled the plug on our onsite or I say pull the plug. We have deferred it. We have postponed it. It will happen later. Fingers crossed in 2020. Yes, yes, yes. And so what we decided to do is we decided to, we were actually, we're trying to go a bunch of different directions. Um, and one of the things we decided to do was pivot into a virtual event, which kind of accelerated thought processes we had in the past, because even though the accounting salon has been a private invite only event, just from a scale perspective, Amanda's house could only fit so many people. Right. And so, you know, we, we've, but we always had felt like had this drum of like, it could be something more and it could be for everybody. Yeah, so so even the very first year, we had this discussion at the end where I looked around the room and said, this is a brain trust. Do we owe it to the industry to do something bigger, to do something that's more accessible to more folks? And we, you know, at, at that stage, we were just so new. I don't think we even knew what to do. And then last year, we had the same discussion. And uh, the, the, and the group, frankly, was divided. There, there were folks who said yes, and there were folks who said, we really like it the way it is, and this is where we can be ourselves and let our hair down and not have to be on. I mean, these are, this, this group of folks, these are the people that are usually on stage, right? These are the folks that are usually giving the presentations, but they have an opportunity with Accounting Salon to sit back and absorb and process. So, so we weren't sure how to do that, although, although I really, and you know this, I really did think there was going to be something bigger coming out of this at some point. Didn't think it was going to be <laughs> forced on us in April of 2020. Um, but, but you know, you and I had this discussion and we thought, well, we've got, everything's done. The, the whole thing is programmed. So we had a day and a half of speaker sessions lined up. We had folks in the accounting salon who were preparing presentations and we had we had gone through a, a, an entire process we have a whole committee that goes through the programming of accounting salon so they had vetted ideas they had processed things they had we had done surveys we knew what the group wanted to hear about and from whom they wanted to hear about those things and so we thought well you know these are tech savvy cloud accountants. If there's any group that can turn an on-site conference into a virtual conference, it would be this one. So let's see if they're willing to do that. And, I, you know, I, I, I am humbled by the response we had from the speakers because not one person said, no, I don't want to share this with, you know, a thousand general folks. Um, they all immediately, like immediately within 24 hours said, 
we're in, we're doing it, we'll do it publicly. So what we've done is turned our on-site uh, limited conference into a free public CPE qualified virtual conference. And it was scary, I think, after we made the decision to do that. But when we launched the site and released it, um, I think one of the accounting magazines, um, CPA Practice Advisor, picked it up. Um, and maybe Insightful Accountant also picked it up. And we had like 400, close to 500 registrations within 24 hours, which was just reinforced that like we made the right decision. Because it was a little scary to tread new waters again. Absolutely. I mean, you know, with my... Um with my day job, which is elephant training, this I do webinars, right? This is what we do. We train accountants. But I didn't really ever train a thousand people at once times and, and I didn't ever I have never done nine consecutive one hour webinars. So that's scary. How do we how do we logistically do, you know, from nine o'clock to six o'clock central on the hour constantly doing webinars, getting people in and out. Uh, so that, yeah, it was absolutely scary. Um, but the response has been so overwhelming that there's, first of all, there, there are fe- people who just want content at this level. So this is not, this is not content in order to drive leads to an app. This is content coming from folks who are the best in the business, who are sharing their secrets, who are sharing their experiences, who are saying, this is what worked in my firm. This is what, you know, tried, failed in my firm. And there are, there are several sessions that are going to be about practice owners trying something and failing. So it's a different level of content that I don't think is really available anywhere, whether virtual or on site. Well, yeah, because I feel like the content tends to be because the content was designed for a small group of 40 people of just honest content back and forth with people they're trying to be uh, vulnerable with and to take that content and put it out there for the entire web with no motivation to write. Like there's no, this is not really a secret way to have a demo for a product, right? It, it's, it's not, it's not sponsored, which is some of the criticisms early on. We had in this conversation about some of the other conferences, right? It's all pay to play. Like this is strictly, we're just taking our internal content and just freeing it to the world. And hopefully uh, people love it. Yeah. Now I will say we do have sponsors for this to, be, to cover the overhead and we should um, make sure to, to thank those folks because we couldn't do it without them because there is obviously some overhead to running a conference for a thousand people, but the sponsors have done this out of the generosity of their hearts. It is not about putting someone on stage to sell something. So the content that's coming out of Salon V, which is what we're calling the virtual version of salon is the exact same stuff that we would have talked about in new orleans in you know a group of 40 yeah and the i mean you have to have sponsors because like somebody has to pay for this like there's there's no rich accountant that died somewhere and then uh just left some money and said hey i leave this in my will for david and amanda to educate people in the accounting industry so we do have to have sponsors but everything gets more expensive like i think we had to upgrade uh, like logistics, right? As soon as we decided to make this virtual, we have to do a thousand people. We had to buy the best uh, go to webinar, the the top plan for everything. Exactly, exactly. But but you know there there is um that's that's just what it is. And and thankfully the sponsors have been very generous. So so uh, nearly every single one of the sponsors we had on tap for our on site uh, salon bellied up and said we'll we'll pitch in a little bit extra to do this virtual thing with you guys so we've been really blessed david we should we should we really we really have 
Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, it, it's been an amazing journey. So, but that's enough about accounting salon, right? Let's let's kind of get to what this um, show will be, which I envision this show is not going to be you and I getting together to talk about logistics of putting on a conference, right? Or the history of a conference. It's really to kind of go in deep with everybody and try to understand each member of the accounting salon, like their story, where they came from and where they're going and their challenges and, you know, maybe make them cry. I don't know. That, that could be your skill set. So I think we should start with you, Amanda. I can re- say what I think I know about you. And then you could tell the story, right? Like this could be a little of a game. So here's what I know about Amanda. Amanda has, I think, three jobs. True. So you have a consulting company, an accounting firm, and then arguably accounting salon is now pretty much a job. Correct. <laughs> right now it's my full-time job. Yes, that is true. You have two kids. That is true. You at one time, I think, worked for the big four. You were like real deal in the account. That is true. I started, I'll tell you, I started out of graduate school working for Deloitte and Touche back when it was called Deloitte and Touche. And there were six of them. <laughs> wow. All right. So so we'll go with that then. Um, so that's basically what I think I know, but I'm sure I don't know a lot. So let's kind of, let, let's go from like, you know, Amanda discovering Excel the first time and deciding she wants to be an accountant to uh, us meeting. How about you, how you want to run through some of that? Yeah. Okay. So we'll start at the very beginning, right? Um, and then we'll skip a bunch. So when I was 16, this is a true story. When I was 16, the a boy that was my boyfriend in high school, his mom was a CPA and she worked for a, a company. And um, so this is, you know, about 10th or 11th grade. I thought a CPA accountant, that sounds cool. I'll try that. And it, at my school, I went to a very big public high school in South Louisiana. They actually offered accounting as an elective um, my senior year. So I took it and loved it and like placed second in state rally, like, I just loved accounting. Accounting is organization. Accounting is sorting things, right? So I loved it. Um, so I did. I, I knew I was going to be an accountant or CPA at that point, and I never changed my trajectory. So I went to college down there and um, got my accounting degree. Then I went to graduate school in Denver. And then I started at Deloitte up there. Um, and then got a little bit homesick and wanted to come back to Louisiana so I got a, a transfer with Deloitte, worked in the New Orleans office because the town I, I grew up in does not have any big four offices. It's very small. So New Orleans was the closest town, uh, or the actually it was the only office in, in Louisiana. So I transferred down to New Orleans and moved here. And that was January 1 of 1999. Um, and I've been in New Orleans ever since. I only stayed at Deloitte maybe another year or two and then took a corporate controllership position and then I had two babies in 16 months so got married had two kids and was like I am going to screw something up I can't work like I just I I, I was so sleep deprived for years I was like I am gonna mess something up I'm afraid every day I'd go to to work just you know tense so I was able to stop working for a while those 80 hour uh Public accounting work-life balances don't work well with two young children at home. Yeah, not with two babies, especially one, Jesus Lord, my 16-year-old daughter at the time. I swear she did not sleep a whole night until she was three or four years old. She cried all the time. She was horrible. So um, it was really it was really a struggle. And then I was like, can you believe this? We're having another baby. This is crazy. So uh, yeah, so I was, 
I just decided that I would be a mom for a while. And I did that for for about seven years. So during that seven years, any accounting at all? Were you doing like some side bookkeeping or are you just like separated 100% from the industry? No, I did a little bit of tax work. So uh, the folks that did our tax return, I'd go over there about six weeks out of the year and do some tax work. And what's funny is that uh, they were a tax shop. I mean, they did tax returns constantly, compliance. They did very little bookkeeping or accounting work. But somehow that all fell on me. Like I liked it. I loved the write up. I liked the the organization of it. So I, I ended up doing that about six weeks out of the year for six or seven years. Um, and then I found myself divorced. And that sounds sort of naive that I found myself divorced because um, certainly it wasn't that much of a surprise to everyone, but it kind of was. You know, I didn't, I don't know. I just, um, I was like, okay, so here we are, right? I'm going to get a divorce. Got kids. They're seven and eight at the time. What am I going to do? I, I am, I'm going to have to get a job at some point. Um, so what kind of job, what kind of career am I going to have? You know, this is 10 or 11 years ago, 12 years ago. And so I remembered the time I had spent doing public accounting at, uh, you know, a big firm and how horribly it sucked like it was just terrible um, because I was like, there's no way, there's no way that I can recover from this divorce and also shepherd my children through this transition when I'm working 60 or 70 hours a week. And, you know, I just, I just couldn't do it. So I was like, well, that's not an option. Then I thought about my controllership um, position. I was like, well, that's not a ton better, you know, for the first week of the month. So that's probably not great. So um, I was like, you know, I'll, I will just listen to the world and see what comes my way. Um, and I was blessed with the opportunity to work for a law firm. Um, this was 2012 and there had just, the folks listening probably know there was a BP oil spill that affected businesses in Louisiana along the Gulf coast in 2010. Well, the oil spill settlement had come out in 2012 and a friend of mine um, has a law firm in New Orleans, and he says, you know, the, the part of this oil spill settlement is recreating financial statements and showing this loss of revenue. So, are you interested in doing this part time? He says, "It's like sh- this sounds perfect. Like the world has given me something that is perfect. I can work out of my home um, and do something that's meaningful and help small businesses recreate these financial statements so that they can um, file these settlement claims." So, so that was my first gig, I guess, and uh, which really turned into an accounting firm <laughs> over a couple of years. So we, we got super busy. I ended up working 40, 50 hours a week anyway, but I was doing it flexible hours, doing it out of my guest bedroom. So what were you at? So that was 2012. You were working on these, these uh, it was basically support for a legal case. Yes, yes. Now, there was kind of write-up work after the fact. What were you using to do that, like technology-wise? So for the most part, we were at that point in 2012 using Excel. But when I, like in, in the first three or four months, I, real, I was like, this is freaking awesome for me. I love doing this. Also, these people hate their accountants and tax preparers. Like <laughs> they, were, they were coming to me and asking me for advice, not their tax preparers, not their in-house bookkeepers. Um, so I realized very quickly that, there was a need for a nice, knowledgeable 
accountant to help small businesses, you know, like they were afraid. The demand was there. They were, yeah, there was totally demand. They were afraid. So I, I'd ask small businesses. Now, remind you, these are not my clients. They are, they are clients of the law firm that has retained me. So I'd call them and say, hey, um, listen, I'm looking at your financials and I'm wondering, you know, your tax return says revenue of such and such, but your uh, bank statement shows this much. Can you ask the tax preparer if he's made an adjustment? Oh, no, uh-uh, I don't talk to him. <laughs> like, I like, refused to talk to the tax preparer. They were afraid of their tax preparers. So, um, so I was like, wow, this is interesting. Like, there's probably a need for small business accounting advisory uh, work, right? Like, there's a need for this. So, all you have to do, first of all, is be nice to them, and they love you. And so, I ended up picking up... Um, tons of tons of clients from that from this law firm including the law firm itself actually um, and that was the beginning of my accounting practice so I literally like accidentally started an accounting firm out of my guest bedroom kind of like you accidentally started an accounting conference just <laughs> <laughs> like I accidentally had a baby in 15 months like a baby in 15 months <laughs> so all right so now you 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 now have an accounting practice Right now, did you try to set up as like a traditional accounting practice? Did you have some goals as you were setting it up? Like from day one, were you like, I'm going to be virtual? Like, how did you even discover cloud accounting? There's so many questions here. Yes, I know. I know. So remember, this is 2012. So you and I have talked about this. 2012 is the very beginning of of cloud accounting in the U.S. And you and I have had this discussion because zero comes to the market in the U.S. in 2012. Right. So QuickBooks Online sucks. It's terrible in <laughs> 2012. Yeah, as far as I knew, there was just one person, um, Laura Redmond, who's in the accounting salon. Like, she in 2011 said, I'm going all cloud and like made a decision and moved her whole firm to cloud. But that was it. Like, that was the exception. Like, nobody did that. That was insanity. Nobody was doing that. It was terrible. Right, because QuickBooks Online was terrible. And so, Zero comes to the market in 2012 ish. And, um, you know, they've built this entirely cloud-based accounting platform down in New Zealand and they show up in the US and they're like, well, here's our thing. And it didn't have tremendous adoption early on, but it was such a better product that I think into it was like, holy shit, like we've got to step our game up. And so you and I've talked about this in November of 2013, I think is when Brad Smith says we're going all in on the cloud. And so that begins this like cloud war, right? This cloud war between zero and, and into it. But going back to, to what I wanted to do, so I was going through this divorce. My kids were seven and eight, which, I mean, every parent who's going to listen to this is going to know what I'm gonna, about to say. Seven and eight, when they're just seven and eight, and those are your only children, seems like they're big kids. But now, looking back, they were little babies. They were babies. And, you know, we were all going through this thing, and I didn't, I knew I was going to have the kids almost all the time. I knew that if they were sick at school from school, home from school sick, if they had a day off for conferences, if they had a thing, you know, cupcakes for somebody's birthday party, like it was on me. I knew that. Um, and so I didn't want to be tied to a traditional office. And so I started looking around to figure out how I could build a, a virtual firm, you know, and again, this is the very beginning. Now I had these also other grandiose ideas that, you know, I'm this single cool mom. I'm going to take the kids to Spain for a month in the summer. And, you know, we're going to go on cruises and we're going to do all these crazy things. And I'm going to work from wherever we end up. 
that didn't happen very often. <laughs> but as it turns out, uh, wiring your firm to work from anywhere in the world also works really well for working from your house indefinitely. <laughs> like it's the same infrastructure. So that turned out to be pretty uh, prophetic for us. So, so I built a, a firm that I could run from anywhere in the world. So every single software, every single platform we used was truly cloud-based, browser-based, not hosted, but true browser-based software. Um, and we did that back in, by the end of 2012. Yeah, I, I think where, uh, where I fell in love with you was <laughs> yeah, you, you were on stage actually at ClueCon and you were talking about how my daughter plays soccer and you got to be at a soccer field two hours before the game starts. Like, I don't know, like, like, but I could just pull out my tablet and because I'm on the cloud, I can keep working. And I just, that's when I was like, yes, why do you have to be at soccer so early? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I um, gratefully have two really athletic children who are, who travel to glamorous places like Pensacola, Florida and, you know, uh, Birmingham, Alabama on the regular. So yeah, so uh, there's a lot of wasted time, man. And kids' sports are so much wasted time. So, yeah, I knew that I it, I was able to. I've been able to work really from the truly. This is you know this is true. I I really have worked from all over the world. Um, just not lately. Lately, I've been in my office twenty yards from my bedroom. <laughs> so so you built a firm that a lot of people I think even dream about. Right, you built a lifestyle firm to support your lifestyle, and so how did that go from you grew your firm, grew your firm, grew your firm to kind of starting to become? Uh, you kind of have this whole. You have a consulting company, so you have an accounting firm and a consulting company and a training company and an accounting salon. You have four jobs. You can't keep telling people you have three. You have four. Well, yeah, I don't do too much on the consulting side. That's kind of been wrapped up into the training company because um, there's just so much overlap now. So yeah, so so because we built this firm from the scratch from scratch starting in 2012 into a cloud you know accounting firm like we've done all the legwork we've done all the hard stuff we've vetted apps we've figured out workflows we've figured out client onboarding we figured out the marketing piece of it um as the wave of uh accounting cloud accounting kind of catches up with us there are folks who are, who need to know this and want a quick start to it so um so we have done some advisory work on flipping firms to the cloud. So taking traditional accounting firms and giving them a quick start into rewiring for the cloud. And then on the training side, that, you know, because Zero was so new in the US, everything I learned about Zero, I, for the most part, taught myself and figured out on my own. And this is funny. I'll tell you, this is a funny story, David. And this is hand to God, this is true. So, I created Elephant with my co-founder, Monica. She's my best friend from college, also an accountant. And uh, she was helping me in the accounting firm. This is going back to 2014, 15. She was helping me doing some work part-time for us. And she was learning zero. She's like, this is freaking awesome. Like, this is the best GL I've seen. It's so clean. It's so great. We should teach small businesses how to use it. And... I said, that's a great idea. And now Monica's my, been my best friend for 20 something years. We travel, we've been to all the sexiest, most romantic places in the world together, <laughs> she and I. <laughs> like we love to travel. We've been to Paris, all these places. Um, and so she's like, this is a 
fantastic excuse to travel. What we'll do is we'll go from, you know, city to city, all, only the cities we want to visit, and we'll teach small businesses how to use Zero. And I was like, this sounds like a great idea. Turns out it's a terrible idea um, <laughs> because it's just really hard to get uh, an audience in any, any one place. But I was telling somebody you know that's an accounting salon about this, and he looks at me with a straight face and says, why are you teaching small businesses how to use Zero? I want you to come teach my staff. And like a light bulb went off and I was like, that's brilliant. Of course I should do staff training. Do you know who that was? Kenji? No, it was Clint Bowers. Okay. All right. So Clint has a practice in Dallas and I mean, he was like, come teach my staff how to do this. And I was like, okay, well that's seems like it makes way more sense than teaching small businesses one-to-one. I can, you know, I can do this at scale. And so we totally flipped elephant from being a, (laughs) you know, excuse to write off travel into being a virtual uh, training company for accountants and bookkeepers learning to leverage technology. So we, we are probably, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but I, I think it's probably true. We are probably the biggest zero trainers in the U.S. Um, I really don't know anybody who's doing it uh, across the country and we do it you know entirely virtually so where we thought we were going to get to travel we don't <laughs> all right so you fell into being a training company yeah kind right? of. and so in, in that name of the company you said elephant elephant yep so yeah i was going to ask you like explain like because it's spelt differently like what's the elephant have to do with it kind of okay so so back in 2016 when monica and i were like okay well we've got to come up with an llc name anybody listening who has started a business knows that the hardest part of starting a business is finding a name and a domain <laughs> that you can you can grab up, right? So we start talking about, you know, like what are some images of things that um, convey knowledge and power and, you know, um, I don't know, just w- what are some images? And so we're ta- because we were this is true because we were talk we were thinking about focusing on small businesses we started talking about the meta- the metaphor like what is the elephant in the room for small businesses the thing they don't want to touch the thing they don't want to talk about it's money counting yes right? accounting and so, bookkeeping and money yeah it's the thing they ignore it's the big thing in the room so the elephant in the room is the accounting so that's what we were thinking about from a small business perspective and then also an elephant's a sign of of um wisdom right and then the the piece that sealed it up for us was the idea when you have some big project something that you've got to attack and you don't know where to start how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time so we're like well this is fine this is good i mean literally Monica and I looked across the table and we're like well this is not going anywhere so it doesn't matter anyway <laughs> it doesn't matter what the name is right <laughs> And growing up, both of us in South Louisiana, we both have French backgrounds. We're like, we'll just spell it with the F, the French way. So we decided to call it Elephant. And it is so funny now um, to hear people talk back to me and say, oh, you own Elephant? Oh, Elephant's a great trainer. And, and talk about Elephant in the, you know, in a, in a, as its own thing when it's the dumbest name. <laughs> it's the dumbest name <laughs> Ever, <laughs> it, but it but it's fancy. It, it kind of has like a fancy spelling. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? It's a cute. Uh, we have a cute logo. 
in it and we're a couple girls and so we like the cute logo and you know whatever it's fine it's it's going well and, and to some extent because you ha- you fell into a training company and you had elephant like we could have never done the swan as a virtual event well yeah because a couple of things right we've got the infrastructure we've been training not a thousand people at a time but sometimes a hundred or two hundred people at a time we've got a cpe license so we're able to offer cpe to anybody um yeah so we have the wiring with elephant that was able to um take accounting salon and flip it into a virtual conference so we were we're we're lucky so this brings us back to us today to some extent right your, your journey so where, where are you headed next like what is what do you see accounting salon eventually being like or where, where do you see yourself being in the future i mean obviously we're actually very close in age i think and like we have half our life to go in this industry right like like what's next for the next 20 years for you gosh um I got to tell you, I'm not somebody who thinks I'm going to build something huge and sell it and get out. Like I'm much more driven by impacting a couple of people in a big way than I am by creating a thing. Um, You know, we've talked about this. Like I'm not, I'm not interested really in creating an accounting salon brand for the sake of creating brand. Um, But some of the things we're doing on the, on the, back end for accounting salon, you know, we, we, we're having internal committees about diversity and how can we have some sort of impact in the accounting space around diversity. Um, you know, we're doing those kinds of things internally, not for any sort of recognition, just because it's important. And, and I, I, I think I suspect this is probably the most important thing I do in my career. I think, um, the accounting salon piece, because, I know what it, I know what I know what cloud accounting did for me personally. It allowed me to be a better mom. It allowed me to be present for my children. It allowed me to be um, self sufficient to to recreate a career. It allowed me to, you know, go from being a housewife to somebody that owns a couple businesses. And so that's that's what I want for other people. You know, that's what, that's what I want. I want folks to see the potential in jumping into some technology and taking some risk and, and figuring out things that are uncomfortable and, uh, and scary and saying, okay, well, you know, I'm going to figure out how to use Zapier. I'm going to figure out how to use Zero. I'm going to figure out how to use these apps. Um, and it's not all going to happen at once, but it's going to happen in baby, in baby steps, once, one bite at a time. And at the end of the day, I can look back and see how far I've come because, you know, sitting here now in 2020, I I couldn't I couldn't have imagined that this is where we would be when I was scared and vulnerable and alone in 2012 in my guest bedroom. Like I I, I couldn't. I couldn't have imagined that I'd, you know, I'd be talking to somebody like you or recording a podcast. I mean, this is craziness. So, so I, I don't know where, I don't know where I go from here. I'm really just happy right here, right now. Amazing. I I don't think we should continue. Let's wrap this up. Well, let's wrap it up and talk about what this is going to be, you know, for other folks, right. Going, going down what we're hoping, what I'm hoping. I think you are hoping that maybe this podcast might, turn into i want to tell this the stories of the folks that are that have decided to join our little tribe in accounting salon if you can get the other members of accounting salon to do just what you just did i think this could be a successful podcast 
Um, and, and I don't know if it's the beer, you know, <laughs> like halfway through the beer, it kicked in, but about halfway, cause obviously you know, do the cloud accounting podcast with Blake Oliver every single week, right? You know, I'm now 200 episodes of podcasts I've done now. Right. So I've done a lot and, and I listen to a lot of podcasts and about halfway through, I was like, Oh, this is kind of coming together for something that like, again, <laughs> I mean, I had this idea, like, let's record a podcast. Right, right. Like, let's record a podcast together, and I felt like it started to click. And so, if if you can just do this with every person in the salon and get them to be vulnerable and open up and tell their story, I think a lot of people can benefit from that. You know, going forward. So, how if somebody wants to learn about accounting salon, connect with you? Like, where do they do this at? Uh, well, we have an accountingsalon.com page. That's probably the easiest. Uh, just so folks who are listening know, we we open up nominations for salon um, l- late summer, July, August each year for the following year. So those notifications will go out, and we will um, we'll have a place to either nominate yourself or to nominate somebody you think is amazing into accounting salon. So that'll happen towards the end of the summer. Um, but if you just want to, ta- if if anybody has questions or wants to chat with me, one thing I learned actually from that very first um, law firm uh, owner client that I had who gave me the chance that, I, that he gave me, he says, I never turned down a meeting with anybody because, because you know, if somebody, if somebody asks you for your time, you should give them your time. So if, if anybody wants to reach out to me, the easiest way to find me is at my firm website, which is agillardaccounting.com. And there's a way you can self-schedule a 15 minute Zoom call with me. And I'm, I, I, I mean this, if you want to talk about, I don't know, anything, raising babies or um, cooking, I love to cook, um, or cloud accounting integrations and technology, just book me on my site. I'm happy to meet with anybody. So um, accounting, agillardaccounting.com for me and for the group accountingsalon.com. And then Elephant Training, the website for that? Oh, yeah. And if you want to learn some, <laughs> some stuff, if you want to help su- support what actually pays the bills, um, that would be elephanttraining.com, E-L-E-F-A-N-T. And you're on all the socials on Twitter and the LinkedIn's and the Facebooks and pretty easy to find everywhere else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty easy to find. So this will be a wrap-up of the Accounting Salon Conversations episode. Call it episode one, the pre-episode, the test episode. But it feels like it was successful and hopefully all of you tune in again in the future. Well, thanks, David. Thank you so much for um, for convincing me that uh, podcasting is the way to go. We'll see. We'll see what happens, right? We'll see what happens. Hopefully, I'll do as, um, as good a job hosting as you have tonight. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs>